0: Welcome to and Bond Podcast, episode 92, with your solo host, Just Me, today, because I have a fantastic book I have been threatening to cover for several weeks, finally finished it. Get ready, I'm going to read through lots of pages, get your notepads out, or get ready to nerd out. Today we're going to finally cover Brain Maker by Dr. David Perlmutter. And I've been slowly inching through this one because... It's a direct connection of science that links the health of your microbiome with your overall health. And that is basically what it's about. And it's direct connection to how the brain actually functions. So your brain health is directly connected to your microbiome in your stomach and intestines. It absolutely, your skin on the outside world affects what you have. And then anything you put into your face actually goes through. And then the most exposure from outside elements is what stuff you put on your body and what stuff you put in your body, which you already know. But now the science proves the mechanisms that have been talked about, learned about research for a very long time. And as we get more scientifically advanced, they can just prove all of this down to the nanocellular level. So... Much you do, get ready, hope you enjoy it, and here we go. Starting with the introduction, bug alert, you've got company, and the first quote on the first page is, death begins in the colon, by Elie Mechnikoff. Mechnikoff, uh, I think is the father of immunology, so it's a good way to start and it's exactly where the first chapter sums up. So, let me begin. Mood and anxiety disorders are also on the upswing and can be equally as crippling to quality of life as other neurological conditions. About one in four adults in the United States, which is more than 26% of our population, suffers from a diagnosable mental disorder. Anxiety disorders afflict more than 40 million Americans, and nearly 10% of the U.S. adult population has a mood disorder, which gets pre- prescribed very powerful drugs. Depression, which affects one in 10 of us. One in 10. You're not crazy when you think, hey, am I hearing this from a lot of people? Yes, one in 10 and it includes a quarter of women in their 40s and 50s and is now the leading cause of disability worldwide. Say what? Yeah. Medications like Prozac and Zoloft are among the most often prescribed drugs in the nation. Mind you, mind you, these drugs treat symptoms of depression, not the causes which are flagrantly ignored. On average, people with severe mental illness, such as bipolar and schizophrenia, die 25 years earlier than the general population. Fun, right? Now for the good news. Leading-edge science coming from the most well-respected institutions around the world is discovering that to an extraordinary degree, brain health, and on the flip side, brain diseases are dictated by what goes on in the gut. That's right. What's taking place in your intestines today is determining your risk for any number of neurological conditions. I realize this may be difficult to comprehend. Yes, and is why I bought this book. And I'm probably going to have to skim through it and keep it and why I've been slowly making my way through it. But that's true. So in this book, he's going to offer highly practical and comprehensive guidelines to transform your gut health and in turn your cognitive health so you can add many more vibrant years to your life. I'm with that. The guidelines outlined in this book will change your body's inner ecology to enhance the growth of the right kind of brain-sustaining organisms. This highly practical regimen includes six essential keys, prebiotics, probiotics, fermented foods, low-carb foods, gluten-free foods, and healthful fat. I'll explain how each of these factors plays into the health of the microbiome for the benefit of the brain. And if anybody knows me, my brain could use some help. Okay. Chat, part one, getting to know your hundred trillion friends. Your gut has its own immune system. The quote gut associated lymphatic tissue GALT represents seventy to eighty percent of your body's total immune system. This type, you know, this is my me speaking now, obviously. This type of information would have been really cool for us to know ever since March 2020. You think immune system knowledge should be number one. But hey, we get to it when we get to it, right? So back. So your immune system and your gut represent 70 to 80% of your total immune system. This speaks volumes about the importance and vulnerability of your gut. If the events that take place in the gut weren't so critical to life, then the majority of the immune system wouldn't have to be there to guard and protect it. Good bacteria in the gut do the opposite. Oh, he's talking about bad bacteria, fast forward. Good bacteria do the opposite. They try to minimize the amount and effects of the bad guys while also interacting positively with both the immune and endocrine systems. That is to say, the good bacteria can turn off chronic immune system response, which is what you want. They can also help keep in check cortisol and adrenaline, the two hormones associated with stress that wreak havoc on the body when they are continually flowing. So when you're stressed... Your body's just pumping out cortisol and adrenaline. That immune response, therefore, kicks off another response. Now you have an overactive immune system. Now your body starts attacking itself. Stressful, I know. All right. Going forward, Dr. Blazer, who directs New York University's microbiome program, further points out that a third of infants born in the U.S. today are born by C-section, which reflects a 50% increase since 1996. If this trend continues by 2020, haha, half of the babies born in the U.S. will be delivered surgically. I love how Blazer so eloquently states the facts of the matter. The fancy names of these bacteria don't matter so much as the notion that the founding populations of microbes found on C-section infants are not those selected by hundreds of thousands of years of human evolution or even longer. The statistics regarding the health consequences of being born through the abdomen as opposed to the vagina are absolutely stunning. Here's a small snapshot of what being born by C-section can entail Based on a large population and rigorously controlled studies. A five-fold increased risk of allergies. Triple the risk of ADHD. Twice the risk of autism. 80% increased risk of celiac. 50% increased risk of becoming obese as an adult. And a 70% increased risk of type 1 diabetes. And you recall being diabetic more than doubles your risk for dementia yeah yeah I'm 42 today but I do plan on being 62 and 72 and 82 and 92 and what we do now directly will stumble upon us at those ages so here I am I got your back all right going forward chapter something it's called belly and brain on fire inflammation the common denominator we are all familiar with inflammation the word itself comes from the latin verb inflammare, which means to kindle or to set on fire inflamed flesh is burning up and not in a good way an inflammatory cascade might include the redness heat and swelling that accompanies an insect bite or the pain you experience with a sore throat or sprained ankle. We generally accept the notion that a bite or scrape to the skin is going to be painful because of inflammation. But inflammation is involved in far more disease processes than you can possibly imagine. Indeed, it is the crux of the body's healing response, bringing more immune activity to a place of injury or infection. But, when inflammation persists or serves no purpose, deep inside the body and through systemic pathways, it causes illness. In fact, it's implicated in such diverse conditions as obesity, diabetes, cancer, depression, autism, asthma, arthritis, coronary artery disease, MS, and even Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Yes, all of those from inflammation. So if you're looking into an anti-inflammatory diet, make it so. All right, going forward. Dr. James M. Hill is a senior scientific investigator and professor of neuroscience at LSU. His lab is among many high-tech labs connecting the dots between the gut's microbiome and the risk for brain disease. He recently published a report outlining the multiple ways in which the brain and its functioning are influenced by what goes on in the gut. In his studies using mouses, we'll call them mice, he's explored how good gut bacteria are capable of of producing important brain chemicals like BDNF, which is brain-derived nootropic factor, Gamma-amino butyric acid, GABA, so BDNF and GABA, and glutamate. You know, the trifecta of awesomeness for your brain. You know. And levels of these important chemicals directly reflect what's going on in terms of gut bacteria. When researchers disrupt gut bacteria in mice, not only observe behavioral changes in the mice but they also calculate changes in the volume of the chemicals. BDNF is involved in neurogenesis, the process by which new neurons are created. BDNF also protects existing neurons, ensuring their survival and and encouraging connections or synapses between them. The synapse formation is essential for thinking, learning, and higher levels of brain function. Decreased levels of BDNF are found in the panoply of neurological conditions, including Alzheimer's, epilepsy, anorexia, depression, schizophrenia, obsessive-compulsive disorder. So did you catch that? BDNF is important for all those connections between your neurons and neurological health, but the lack of it is serious problems. Um, And while we know that BDF we, So you want to know how can I increase it Naturally Which is what I questioned It says while we know that BDNF can be increased Through aerobic exercise As well as by consuming Omega 3 fat We are now learning that it is critically important That this critically important Brain chemical Is vitally dependent on the balance Of bacteria that live within the gut So if you're running on the treadmill like me or running outside, getting your aerobic exercise. You're getting your omega-3s from your fish or flax oil. That's awesome, but if you have an unstable microbiome, all of that's not being used to its best potential. So it's kind of like a little of everything, as we know. Going forward. A question you might be asking at this point is, How can you test for a leaky gut? Every day I perform simple blood tests on patients to help me get a sense of their gut linings integrity. I use what's called the Cyrex Array 2, which offers the most sophisticated screening test on the market today. The Array, by Cyrex Labs, cyrexlabs.com, shout out, measures antibodies produced by the immune system when it is confronted by a molecule called LPS short for lipopolysaccharide i underlined that and highlighted it twice remember that lps mucho bad muy mal evil lps no bueno no good lipopolysaccharide get it out of here okay did i drive that home enough no conversation about the microbiome inflammation and brain health can exclude the impact Of this molecule now that's been in other books but he really drives this home as you shall see okay bottom line yeah just get to it bottom line elevated LPS in the blood could be a a big contributor to the increased beta amyloid in the brain that's so characteristic of Alzheimer's beta amyloid is a buildup in the brain That gets created from elevated LPS. LPS has been shown to decrease production of BDNF. No surprise there. Moreover, we now have evidence that there's three times as much LPS in the plasma of Alzheimer's patients as in healthy controls. The evidence against LPS and the inflammation it causes is so incriminating that scientists at uh, USF have stated that the knowledge may represent, quote, represent novel targets for therapeutic intervention in patients with ALS. And in the next chapter, we'll see how the latest science on depression shows that LPS is among the most villainous suspects in triggering the mood disorder. I can't tell you how many times I've seen remarkable improvements in a patient's clinical depression just through B12 supplementation. Research shows that B12 deficiency in America affects up to 15% of people over the age of 60 and may well have to do with the changes in the gut bacteria as a consequence of poor diet and the medications they take in an attempt to remain healthy. Omega-6 fats dominate the Western diet today. These are the most pro-inflammatory fats found in many vegetable oils and have been linked to an increased risk for brain disorders as well as heart trouble. Omega-3 fats, on the other hand, which are found in olive oil, fish, flaxseed, and wild grass-fed animals, boost brain function helps stamp out inflammation, and can actually counterbalance the detrimental effects of the omega-6 fats. Get some! It even says, anthropological research reveals that our hunter-gatherer ancestors consumed omega-6 and omega-3 at one-to-one. If you're getting more 3 than 6, good for you. Get it. All right, moving on. Inflammation, in the gut, and the mighty mitochondria, my favorite organelle. Let's see here. <laughs> mitochondria. The little teeny organelles that are found in all of the cells except red blood cells generate chemical energy in the form of ATP. They have their own DNA, and the current thinking is that they originated from bacteria. They were once free-living bacteria that ultimately took up residence within our cells and provided our cells the benefit of producing energy. Like bacterial DNA, the DNA of the mitochondria is arranged in a circle, quite unlike the genetic material found within the nucleus of our cells. Given the bacterial origin and their unique DNA, mitochondria should be considered part of the human microbiome. Healthy mitochondria make healthy human. The energy produced by a rea- uh, let me back up. These organelles, the mitochondria, are able to use carbohydrate fuel and convert it into energy that powers most cell functions. The energy produced by this reaction is called Oxidative metabolism because oxygen is used in the process as it is in a fire. But mitochondrial respiration differs from a fire in that rather than releasing energy in an uncontrolled reaction, the fire, mitochondrial energy is stored in a unique molecular form called ATP. So if you're getting a high amount of oxygen, it stores energy in ATP. We'll call them batteries. It actually stores it up. And then once it's stored up, the ATP can be delivered throughout the cell, releasing energy on demand if there are certain enzymes available. According to Professor Enzo Nasoli from Milan, you and I each possess more than 10 million billion mitochondria, making up a full 10% of your body weight. 10% of your body weight is mitochondria. So don't try to act like it's not important. All right. Let's get ahead to some fun stuff. The scope of depression. The next time you're at a large-scale event with lots of people, whether you're in an auditorium or a stadium, take a look around and consider this. 1 in 10 of those people has taken a psychiatric drug to treat a mood disorder. For women in their 40s and 50s, 1 in 4 take an antidepressant. That's right. A quarter of middle-aged women today are taking powerful drugs to remedy symptoms that typically fall under a diagnosis of clinical depression, such as persistent distress, malaise, anxiety, Inner agitation, fatigue, low libido, poor memory, irritability, insomnia, sense of hopelessness, and feeling emotionally flat, overwhelmed, and trapped. At last count, 14% of non Hispanic white men take antidepressants, compared with just 4% of non Hispanic blacks and 3% of Mexican Americans. Interestingly, Antidepressant use does not vary by income status. As I mentioned in the intro, depression is now the leading cause of disability worldwide, impacting more than 350 million people according to the WHO. And depression will displace heart disease in terms of cost of caring for patients. And that number has been reached. And here in the U.S., Rates continue to climb. Last year, 30 million Americans were prescribed $12 billion worth of antidepressants. Let me say that again. Last year, as in 12 calendar months, $12 billion of antidepressants were sold. That means that we're spending more on antidepressants than the gross national product of more than half of the world's countries. Such drug use has increased a whopping 400% over the past two decades. By 2005, antidepressants had become the number one prescribed drug class in the country. The following sentence to that is these medications... Do not treat depression. I don't care. He didn't say I don't care. It says whether it's Prozac, Cymbalta, Zoloft, Elavil, Lexapro, Welbuterin, or any of the other commonly prescribed antidepressants, they simply treat symptoms and only minimally so. Drugs for depression are aggressively marketed and prescribed in our country. Just look at the crazy commercials. Yeah, we're not imagining it. Zooming way forward to the chapter about autism and the gut. Gut dysfunction contributing to brain dysfunction. Cutting edge research is finding that the gut ecosystem of individuals with autism is dramatically different from that of people without autism. And particularly, people with autism tend to have high levels of clostridial... Clostridial? Clostridial? I'll say clostridial. Higher levels of clostridial species, which crowd out the balancing effects of other gut bacteria, leading to low levels of beneficial bugs... Like bifidobacteria, high levels of clostridial species may help explain why many kids with autism crave carbohydrates, especially refined sugars, the foods that feed those bugs, therefore creating a vicious cycle that fuels the proliferation of more clostridia. The clostridia kills more of the beneficial bacteria, which makes them experience all the effects of being autistic just over time it just compounds clostridial species produce ppa short for propionic acid so the clostridial species produce ppa in abundance which as you're about to learn is not a good thing if ppa passes into the bloodstream simply put The PPA produced by Clostridia is toxic to the brain, and its effects start in the gut, which is overrun with these bacterial species. For starters, PPA increases gut permeability by weakening the tight junctions that hold the cells of the intestinal lining together. Without the right balance of gut microbes to keep this barrier intact, PPA can easily find its way to the other side where it goes straight into the bloodstream, trips the wire that turns on inflammation, and activates the immune system. Certain gut bacteria like Clostridia may interfere with brain development and function. When I spoke with uh, Dr. Derek McFab. he went as far as calling these bad f- bugs infectious causes of autism. Let me highlight a few of his studies so you can see why he's drawn such a bold conclusion. In one study, they fed pregnant rats and their babies diets high in PPA. By the time the pups were four to seven weeks old, their brains showed developmental changes similar to those seen in children with autism. He documented more immediate effects of PPA. When he and his team injected PPA into animals, so they were fine, they just straight injected them with PPA, they exhibited symptoms commonly associated with autism almost immediately. The rats developed repetitive behaviors, hyperactivity, and were seen turning in circles, moving backward, and losing their desire to socialize with other animals. They demonstrated increased anxiety and would, quote, fixate on objects versus other animals. They even had favorite objects. Incredibly, those effects happened within two minutes of the administration of the PPA and lasted about 30 minutes. After that time passed, the point the animals would revert back to normal behavior. Is this making any sense? You get a dysbiotic gut. You're eating refined sugars and carbs. Your belly gets infiltrated with clostridial. It kills all the good bugs. Without that, it makes the junctions in your gut weak. The PPA pops outside the barrier hightails it to the brain while the cops, the immune system, all the police are chasing it. Immune system's going crazy. High-speed chase gets in the brain and just starts severing proper function. Hmm. All right, moving on. This chapter is called Punched in the Gut. A new study followed closely in the wake of another study published in the Public Library of Science, which found that the alcohol-soluble portion of gluten, gliadin, promotes weight gain and pancreatic beta cell hyperactivity. So the alcohol-soluble portion, so gliadin, causes beta cell, your pancreas to be hyperactive, which contributes to type 2 diabetes and a precursor to type 1. These conditions, as you know, are huge risk factors for brain disease. Given the increasingly dense body of research, the time has come to recognize that many of the most common ailments that afflict us today are a direct result of the consumption of popular foods such as wheat. I realize that much has been written about whether or not the gluten-free craze is health or hype. For those of you who test negative to gluten sensitivity or have had never had problems with gluten and love your pancakes and pizza, let me share the following. Research shows that modern wheat is capable of producing more than 23,000 different proteins, any of which could trigger a potentially damaging inflammatory response. And we just covered why inflammation is bad. Okay, going forward. Now we're going to get to some antibiotics information. Antibiotics constitute... The majority of prescriptions for children under 10 years old. Extravagant use of antibiotics, especially for viral illnesses, which are not helped by these drugs, such as a cold or your basic flu. Antibiotics do not cure it. But we get it when you go to the doctor. They offer it straight up. This has led to the proliferation of antibiotic-resistant strains strains of bad pathogens that current antibiotics cannot touch so if you go to the doctor and get antibiotics for your basic cold you're just making that body less capable of beating the next virus and also it creates a virus that antibiotics that normally would kill it couldn't okay going forward expect you should expect more high profile studies to emerge in the next decade showing a powerful relationship between the state of the gut's microbiome and the certain risk or the risk of certain cancers including cancers of the brain and nervous system Dr. Robert Schwab is one investigator leading this charge in the area his research team at Columbia He wrote a convincing article in 2013, published in Nature, that outlined the means by which the conditions of the microbiome can either promote or prevent cancerous growths. In his concluding thoughts, he emphasizes the value in turning our attention to the study of the microbiome in hopes of finding new therapies for the prevention and treatment of cancer, calling the microbiome, quote, the next frontier of medical research. I use the example of cancer to further accuse antibiotics of ruining an important collaborator in our health, but I actually could could just as easily have talked about the exposure to antibiotics and a heightened risk of ADHD, asthma, being overweight, diabetes, all of which increase risk for, as you know, dementia, depression, suicide, anxiety. By now... You can guess the thread tying all of these conditions together inflammation. And if you take one more step back from the inflammatory process, you'll find yourself thinking about your gut's microbiota. The University of South Carolina estimated that half. Oh, the 40 million prescriptions filled for this antibiotic in 2011 were unnecessary and may have caused 40 over 4,500 deaths and that was ZPAC. So the very common everybody gets it everybody's familiar with it, heard of it and cool with it the OG Z pack was given out 40 million times in 2011 and caused over 4,500 deaths. So something that you're super cool with taking, we all will take it if if we need to, we're gonna take it. There is a risk. Nothing is risk-free. It's a little fun fact, right? All right, going forward, we're still in busted gut. And now, uh, this is, this is going into the chapter talking about herbicide laden GMO foods. And my personal caveat, little two cents, and he covers it well, I'm just gonna cover some small things. It's not that the food being genetically modified is the bad thing. The bad thing is that they're modified so that they can be sprayed with boat loads and ship tank loads of pesticides and to grow veggies in mass monocrop fields in mass quantities for all of your favorite vegetarian concoctions that we buy and get put together if it's made from one of those three main basics it's probably sprayed with the most amount of pesticides so yeah fun that being said moving on The use of Roundup-ready GMO seeds has allowed farmers to use huge amounts of this herbicide. So Roundup is the most prolific, horrible glyphosate-ridden pesticide, and it is the most used on planet Earth. All right, let's go back to it. So the seeds allow the farmers to spray huge amounts of it, and it's happening globally. It's estimated that by 2017, farmers Will apply an astounding 1.35 million metric tons of glyphosate to their crops. Here's the problem glyphosate residues represent a threat to human health. In the wheat industry, in particular, farmers saturate the fields with Roundup a few days before harvest to generate a bigger and better yield. This suggests a new perspective on the subject of gluten sensitivity. It just may be that the rise in gluten intolerance and celiac is largely due to the increased use of Roundup. When you chart the incidence of celiac and the levels of glyphosate applied to wheat over the past 25 years, a stunning parallel pattern emerges. In 2013, report published in the Journal of Interdisciplinary Toxology, which they provided a graph showing just what I just said, the MIT research scientist Senef and an independent colleague came out with guns blazing about the effects of glyphosate in the body. They went so far as to argue that the practice of, quote, ripening sugarcane with glyphosate, could be behind a recent surge in kidney failure among agriculture workers in Central America. They pointed out that among the glyphosate's effects on the body, it inhibits, it inhibits PF5, P450 enzymes, so it inhibits an enzyme produced by gut bacteria. And these enzymes are critical to our biology as they detoxify a multitude of foreign chemical compounds. So the glyphosate wipes out the enzyme that actually protects you from foreign substances. If the CYP, the bad one, are missing, no, sorry, the good ones are CYP. If they're missing, there's a much greater likelihood for the intestinal wall to become compromised and for harmful substances to find their way into the bloodstream. Stream, find their way into the bloodstream. In the report's plea for new policies regarding the safety of glyphosate residues in foods, it describes how residual glyphosate changes the composition of gut bacteria and wreaks its havoc on human physiology. I'll spare you the biochemistry, but glyphosate, number one, compromises your ability to detoxify toxins. Two, it impairs the function of vitamin D, which is an important hormone for brain health. Three, it depletes iron, cobalt, and copper. And four, impairs the synthesis of tryptophan and tyrosine, which is an, Those are important amino acids in protein and neurotransmitter production. So it's like a quadruple whammy to brain health. The scientist reports focuses on the link between glyphosate and celiac. They describe how fish that are exposed to glyphosate develop digestive problems that are comparable with celiac. And we know that celiac is associated with imbalances in gut bacteria. In fact, the scientists imply that glyphosate is the most important causal factor in the rise of gluten sensitivity through its known effects on gut bacteria. They conclude... By stating, quote, we urge governments globally to re-examine their policy towards glyphosate and to introduce new legislation that would restrict its usage. That hasn't happened, by the way. All right, stay with me now. Stay with me now. We're on to feeding your microbiome. The type of fermentation that makes most foods probiotic, which means rich in beneficial bacteria, is called lactic acid fermentation. In this process, good bacteria convert the sugar in the food into lactic acid. In doing so, the bacteria multiply and proliferate. The lactic acid, in turn, protects the fermented food from being invaded by pathogenic bacteria because it creates an environment with a low pH, which kills off the harmful bacteria with a higher pH. So that's how it doesn't get ruined or poisonous as it sits there on your counter for days and weeks. You're like, how is this healthy? Oh, well, that's why. Let's see. In the next chapter, they're going to share details for what, what to look for in, a, in probiotic supplements. But, of course, there's no better way to consume a bevy of bifidobacteria and lactobacilli than to get them from wholly natural substances. What's more, these probiotic bacteria metabolize their sources of fuel from your diet, and they liberate various nutrients contained in those good foods you're eating, making them easier to be absorbed. For example, having a good intake of those healthy bacteria actually increases your availability of vitamin A, C, and K, as well as vitamins in the B-complex group. It was only at the turn of the 20th century that Russian scientist L. A. Mechnikov, who did a quote at the beginning of this book, explored and revealed how lactobacillus bacteria could be related to health. Metchnikoff is considered the father of immunology and no one sorry, and one could argue that he's also the father of the probiotic movement. He won the Nobel Prize in 1908 and he was the first to propose the theory that lactic acid bacteria are beneficial to human health. His ideas stemmed largely from recognizing a correlation between the longevity of Bulgarian peasants and their consumption of fermented milk products. He even went as far to suggest that oral administration of cultures of fermented bacteria would implant the beneficial bacteria in the intestinal tract. And he did that more than a century ago. I find that mind-blowing that he you know this is 1908 there's a lot less distractions comparatively but he really paid attention to this specific group of peasants and their health compared to others he was just paying attention and observing at a deep level super cool i think Okay, jumping forward, he gives uh, now to the good stuff. How do you, what do you do with this information, all right? So we're gonna go forward. He has a chapter called Feeding Your Microbiome. There's tips, what to eat, how to cook it, how to reduce chemical exposures. Uh, Let's just, I'll just zoom through a few. You're probably already aware of them. Drink filtered water. Hey, no surprise there. Get to know your local farmers. I personally order veggies from Good Apple, which is a CSA here in Austin. Every time you buy a box of veggies, they donate a box of veggies that are organically grown close by to a family in need or that can't afford it. Um, next one is minimize your use of canned, processed, prepared foods. Um, you know, try to cook from scratch. Don't eat too many cans. Don't microwave food in plastic. Avoid storing food in plastic. Don't use plastic water bottles. Go for stainless steel. Use filters in your house. Reduce toxic dust and residues. All right, here's a big one. Slowly over time, replace household goods and products with alternatives free of synthetic chemicals. This takes time, so each time you're going to buy a new cleaner for your house, just replace it with a better one, with less poisonous chemicals. That'll just do it one at a time. You're not going to buy everything at once. But as they run out, replace it with something better. Same thing for shampoos, toothpaste, conditioners, lotions, mouthwash, all that stuff. And then he says, keep some plants in your house, like spiders, aloe vera, chrysanthemums, gerber daisies, Boston ferns, English ivies, and philodendrons. If you know what those are, good for you. We got a few. I don't even know what ours are called. Hopefully, there's, there are those. Okay, zooming forward, GoPro. We are almost to the last chapter here. So you're wondering, what can I give a baby? What do babies take? Well, specially formulated probiotics for infants and toddlers are available. Talk to your pediatrician. These products come in liquid or powder form. Although more research is needed, we do have some evidence that probiotics for babies can relieve common conditions like colic, diarrhea, eczema, General intestine problems There was a study published in 2007 That found that colicky infants Who took lactobacillus Saw results within a week By the fourth week They were only crying for 51 minutes a day Versus 145 minutes a day Oof That sounds painful I feel for you Any parents dealing with colic kids I would go get some lactobacillus root teary ASAP. All right. Uh, it's been shown to affect in treating infectious diarrhea in children, In an ongoing Finnish study: the infants whose family members had a history of eczema or allergies uh, were given lacto, lactobacillus. Uh, they're less as likely to develop eczema. So there's a little something for the newbies. All right, then we're moving on forward to once you can consume solid foods, even as adults. Here's some additional supplements to consider. DHA, turmeric, coconut oil, ALA, vitamin D, and refresher. Vitamin D is fat-soluble, so you do need to consume fats. Then chapter ten, he has a brain maker seven day meal plan, and it's kind of a mix and match. However, you want a lot of kefir yogurts, uh, sauerkraut mixes, pickled stuff. Basically, you know, mixing in those fermented, those fermented foods that I need. I need to increase. And now at the very end for the epilogue, thank you for hanging with me so long. As I write this epilogue, the journal Nature has just published yet another article to sound the alarm. The headline says it all. Gut-Brain Link Grabs Neuroscientists. In it, the author writes that we are, quote, only now starting to understand how gut bacteria may influence the brain and that now there is hard evidence linking conditions such as autism and depression to the gut's microbial residents. Clearly, there are those who will want to defend the past and even the status quo. That is to be expected. I believe it is far more important to break the bonds of these constraints and recognize that our most exciting and respected science is offering us an incredible opportunity to regain our health through the force wielded by the microbiome, the human brain maker. We can harness this inner power for our own betterment as we are now at the crossway that leads to the future. Join the revolution. Acknowledgements and a crazy long notes section and references. Always in awe of the depth of research that goes into making these books. I'm glad to hope you could gather any sort of knowledge or changes you might make for yourselves. Obviously nobody's perfect. We're still gonna eat these things at times but if overall in what you can control in your home and environment you maximize what's good minimize what's bad and just make those choices hope everybody enjoyed it thank you appreciate it see you next time be healthy y'all